We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you could trade a bench warmer for the greatest of all time, you'd do it, right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify, me, Charlotte, is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility. Powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash truefaith, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash truefaith to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash truefaith. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast disaster at St. James's Park as 10-man Liverpool escape with a 2-1 win over Newcastle United, who have thrown it away, who have gifted the points, have gifted the game at a crucial fixture in a crucial part of the season. I'm Alex, I have Charlotte, Si and Stephen Ord with me today to talk through this disaster class for you. And <laughs> cards on the table for you, uh, my colleagues here recording and those people listening, I'm getting, in, I'm getting into them today. No easy rides today, that was an absolute fucking disaster on every single level. Games of football against very good teams are very hard to win. Very hard indeed, and we have gifted the opposition three points today. The winning goal almost leads them no place to hide. The winning goal does a lot for Liverpool, of course. Famous win for them. Crucial part of their season has got off to a fantastic start. We're now two defeats and three. But at 1-1, the same issues remain. At 1-1, the same issues are there. And we're going to get into them today. We're on Patreon this week. Lots more uh, reaction to this one. And also, we build up to an hour. Crucial game at Brighton on Saturday. Come and join us in there. Three to eight pounds a month. Charlotte, how do you feel, 
I feel like my voice is very husky from screaming for the last 20 minutes of that game. Um, really disappointed, really concerned, and I'm sure that we'll get into the concern um, in this podcast. But just, yeah, um, I feel like Man City was almost the the prefix to today's game. Everybody sort of felt that we should be beating Liverpool today. It was our opportunity to do so, certainly when they went down to 10 men. Um with, with players on yellow cards and with the intensity that we kind of served up for that first 40, 45 minutes. I just feel so let down and really confused by a lot of it. I don't know what happened in the second half. I don't know why decisions were made. Again, I'm sure we'll get into that, but gutted really and, um, and, then, and then concerned. Gutted and concerned. Yeah, d- deflated and shell-shocked is probably the way I'd describe it. Um, I came out of that stadium and every single face that was walking down the steps from the Gallagher side of the of the ground was just looking at each other like, what the fuck just happened? Like, what? how has that just happened to us? And yeah. no one could really understand it. There's lots to get into in terms of substitutes, in terms of how we failed to make an extra man count, as you said, Charlotte. But I still, I, it's been a few hours for us as we sit here and record, but I'm still struggling to comprehend how that has happened because it just felt so comfortable. And even after about 70 minutes, I was sitting there thinking, we're going to do this, we're going to see it out. They're still good. They're still dangerous with 10 men. But yeah, it, it just fell apart so quickly, so fast. And the, the, the mood of, of everyone in that stadium was flipped on its head. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really bitter to swallow because I feel like that is too, not, not a, th- three, a draw, like you say, Dodds, would have been a bad, it would have been two points dropped. To lose all three was just even worse. I think I wasn't in my normal seat and like Charlotte, I've got a husky voice from Charlotte. <laughs> um, one of the things that I'll take away from it is after about 55 minutes, after about 55 minutes, I was saying straight away that 1-0 is a really dangerous scoreline, even against 10 men. It's a really mm. dangerous scoreline because all it takes is one mistake as they'd gifted us really. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold, I don't know what he was trying to do, um, but Gordon was away. And we, I knew if we gave them one chance, they would take it because they were so desperate to get back in the game. Klopp wasn't giving up on it. He kept making attack and substitutions. He kept trying to switch his formation to cause problems for us. And the biggest thing was, we seemed to sort of hand it to them on a plate. I felt, in, certainly in the last 20 minutes, I felt like we just kind of went, oh, that's it. Like, we'll just, we'll give up. Once Elmeron's shot came back off the post, it was kind of like, oh, well, we've thrown everything at this. We'll one nil up, it'll be grand. But it wasn't. And when we all know the teams like Liverpool, Manchester City, Man United, if you're playing them, you've just got you've got to take your chances. And you've, if you've got your foot on their throat, you've got to keep it there because the moment you remove it, you're in big trouble. It, it is a, there's a real sense of despondency. And I suppose after the result and the, the nature of the two leg goals and particularly the winner compound that when Newcastle United were very good against Aston Villa this season, they were in the game at Manchester City this uh, last week. And then today... They've lost a game that they really should have won. Now, when we played Liverpool at St James's last season, we, I don't think anyone could argue with the result there, as well as Newcastle played with 10 men. Um, it just it just feels like one of the things I talked about in the podcast last week was our results and performances against the sides that we consider our equals in the division hasn't quite been good enough, despite what everything that's achieved. And to gift, to gift the opposition what they've done today is the most disappointing thing. Liverpool are allowed to play well with 10 men. Jurgen Klopp's allowed to make good, good substitutions. They've brought on an 85 million pound striker who can't get in their team and he's done really, really good. Mm-hmm. All those things, whilst difficult to take, they're okay, it's football, it happens. 
what's more difficult to take is what Newcastle did in the game. So I don't, I don't want to sit here and pretend like what happened today was okay. It doesn't ruin everything. Newcastle are still a very good side. They did a lot of very good things today. They have good players. We might talk about some of those good things. They're their own worst enemy. And I kind of listened to Eddie Howe post-game and I think what he's saying makes sense, but I still hate it. I still absolutely fucking hate what he's saying about Newcastle controlled the game. Newcastle had chances to get a second goal. Newcastle should have seen the game out and they've been hit by two sucker punches. All true. All true. Shouldn't have happened, though. And that's the frustrating thing. I don't expect Eddie Howe to come out and say, woe be us, woe be me, what a disaster, everything's terrible. He, he can't behave like that. I don't think he thinks that either. But I do just feel if previous managers had said some of the things he said at full time, people would be going absolutely fucking nuts. Am I being unfair? I think the context of um, other previous managers and other previously terrible performances um, would add to the fact that our fans or we would be going mental at some of those comments. But I, I don't think it's totally unfair because I think some of those comments are very sort of generic and very sort yeah. of we, we were um, better against 11 than 10. Well, why? Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the opposite of what it should be. So explain to us why. Don't just make a stupid comment like that. Sorry. And, and, I, and I love Eddie Howe and I do love Eddie Howe. And I still trust that there are answers to these problems and these questions that are being asked of us. It's just that there's loads of questions now being asked of us. But that's a, that's a mental thing to say, in my opinion. Like, okay, so tell us why. What are you going to do to fix it? <laughs> it's, it's a football cliche that probably a lot of managers will have said at some point in their careers. And we're, obviously, because we, we podcast about Newcastle, we're going to dwell on it because he's our manager and we want to want to analyse what he said. I, uh, we did play better against uh, against 11 than we did yeah. against 10. But I would also say that um, first half was really nitty gritty and it was a mistake from a Liverpool player that, made, that led to the goal for us at a, at a time when I didn't think there was a goal in the game. It really felt like that was a nil-nil draw. Um, it was nice, nice to just let Gordon go in and score the way he did. But um, I, I, your question was, oh, am I being harsh, Dodds? I, I don't know. I, I feel like I want to defend the lads because I feel like after 70 minutes or 75 or even 80 minutes, I don't know when the first goal came, well, like 85 or whenever it was, um, I couldn't tell you if anyone had a bad game. I wouldn't be able to describe any one of our players as having a bad game. I thought everyone did a decent job. I don't think we were brilliant. Um We've made a massive. It's it's come off Botman's ass for their first goal, mm. um, and we, we shouldn't let that happen. But it's it's it's, it's sad that that's happened. But um, the second goal is crap. It's really crap, and we'll get into that later. But I don't know. It just feels like a little bit smash and grab from Liverpool. Yes, we, we should have capitalised on the game. But if if Miggy puts away one of his chances, uh, uh, the 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 one he's, he hit over the bar is probably harder to miss than the one where he's hit the post, where it was a really really good run and very unlucky. The, the one where he skies it is really more frustrating. Equally, Barnes has been fed in a couple of times. He's been a bit indecisive. Um, we'll come back to why Barnes is on the pitch and whether the subs are right. But I don't know. I feel like there's lots of ways that game could have played out and it was just the worst possible way it went today and that's bad luck. And and some of the subs maybe on reflection look bad. But at the time, I was, I was all for it. I thought we were looking like scoring a second and then suddenly it all just fell apart and I'm still struggling to get my head around how it's happened. Losing one nil at Man City wasn't a hammer. Like it was disappointing because mm. I think we all mm. went into it thinking actually this is probably our best opportunity here to give them a proper game, and it didn't feel like we took our in inverted commas normal game to, or they didn't let us play our normal game mm -hmm. to them. Today it felt like we still weren't fully at it. Like our press was pretty good in the first ten fifteen minutes. We were really hurrying their defenders, mm. but the point at which it kind of turned really was when they had a man sent off. 
And it was almost like we kind of went, oh, we'll just move them around now and we'll shuffle them a bit. And yeah, we did off control, but we weren't really hurting them. I mean, Bar Miggy's shot in the first half that came from like a deflection that fell in the corner and Alison makes a brilliant save. Yeah. And re- when I've seen it back in replay, actually, it's quite close to him, but it's still a really good save. He keeps it out. But apart from that, in the first half, when did we stretch Liverpool? Like we, we got in, we got the goal. Isaac gets in, Van Dijk gets sent off, okay. But we, we don't get anything from that because the free kick was meh. And then following on from that, Miggy has one shot. And apart from that, I don't think we really got at them. And it all comes from, and I know you've just mentioned Barnes, but it all comes a lot from, we spent the first 15 minutes directing all the traffic down the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Trent gets booked. Trent potentially should be booked and sent off, but doesn't get booked. Every time Gordon got the ball, Alexander Arnold steps off him. That's, it's not controlling the game if we go, all right, well, we'll just move these pieces around. Because actually, we could have had more control of the game if we said, right, every single time we get the ball now, left-hand side, left-hand side, left-hand side, right, switch it. But keep it left-hand side as much as you can. Because they couldn't live with us with the ball down the left-hand side. And we stopped doing it. Mm. And I, I, can't, I, I can't get my head around what went through the team to go, actually, no, we're going to get Miggy in more often now and Trips in more often. Because they weren't getting as much joy off Robertson and Gakpo as... Gordon was getting off Alexander-Arnold and it seemed like it was a tactical decision to go all right we'll stretch the play a bit more but it just didn't seem to work and I don't know why we because we kept doing it and kept doing it and I don't know why we did we're going to get into it I suppose in in part two of the show about about what specifically went wrong you know the season is young nothing is lost in these early stages and and maybe we'll talk maybe later on at the end of the show about context of the result there's a lot of kind of personal animosity towards this Liverpool side and Jurgen Klopp, not just from Newcastle fans, but probably most football fans around the country. I mean, that, that is irrelevant to, to anything. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a case for the game should have gone a different way because of that. But it just fe- I just feel like this Newcastle side, what they did so good last season was, was take their opportunities when mm-hmm. they were handed to them. They've now, like you correctly said, Stephen, had two opportunities in two weeks to, to face opponents who, you know, Man City would expect to win the league, whether Liverpool fans or manager expect to win the league is another conversation but I just feel like we if we want to be where not only we want to be but I imagine the ownership and the direction of the club expects us to be in in the long term ruthlessness is going to be something that is demanded from them and, and as a collective today before we get into the manager or subs or individuals whatever you want to you whatever you want to label it Newcastle weren't ruthless today and that's the most before you know tactics or anything which we're going to get into that's the most disappointing thing when your opponents and the people that you look out for every single week in the league when when they're when they're kind of when you get your foot on their throat you have to finish the job instead we're pissed about and if you look at the two Liverpool goals that come from Newcastle pissing about in the wrong parts of the mm. pitch and that for me is 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 criminal you just have to hope young side-ish that we are that we that we learn from it and this doesn't happen again. However, I feel like I'm sat at Anfield last season after Anfield last season making the same points on the same podcast. Well, that's sorry, that's what I was just going to say is that this is as deflating mm. as Carvalho's goal at Anfield, which roughly the same time last year when we'd bossed the game, we should have been 2 0 up, mm. we weren't. And yeah, we're goal difference wise we're better off with those these two games but I, I couldn't really care less about goal difference I would rather we put in brilliant performances and we hadn't got to the situation we did today I felt we'd started really quite well actually I know they were better, but we've got the we'd got the foot it was over the throat and then we kind of went ah oh, 
right, okay, yeah, you go on then, have another breath, have another breath, like see if you can do it, and you can't do that. We'll move on to part two of the show. There's a couple of adverts coming up. If you want to listen to these shows ad-free, it's only £3 a month. Get involved. Link in the description to this podcast. Back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so part two of the show, let's talk about what actually went wrong. If there was indeed, I don't know, don't assume any opinions here. We lost. Went wrong. So we lost. Wrong. We lost with a 10-man Liverpool. One of, one of my great issues with, with the manner of the defeat and what happened is that when Newcastle United are themselves and do things well, they make the opposition do things that they don't want to do. They make them play in areas they don't particularly want to play. They make them face their own goal. They make them make decisions they don't want to make. And you saw that against Aston Villa on the opening day. I didn't see that for some reason when the, when Liverpool went down to 10 men. It became safe. It became almost like a, a managed situation. You could look at that and say they didn't know how to play against 10 men. I'm not quite sure that's the case because they're a professional side who train a lot and they've come up against 10 men before. But it was very much a kind of... Uh, it, it almost looked to me like Howe's first season where we go 1-0 up and then it was just like, this: these lads aren't going to break us down. It's simply not going to happen. That, that that's always a really dangerous game to play against a side like Liverpool, but it was just safe. And, and Newcastle's press in the second half, in fact, the Newcastle's press in the first half when Liverpool went to ten men was just off. Rudy Gomares found himself as the the spare man in that press and decided almost neither to support the centre backs in case Liverpool went long, nor join in the offensive press to 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 basically go two on one. He was just spare, and yeah. and there, there are a few things with that. Number one, why wasn't it addressed by management or the player, or for example, Kevin Trippier on the pitch? And number two, I saw Dan Byrne maybe halfway through the second half actually try and address it, and and Byrne ended up going further forward, and he pointed at a player, said, "Okay, I've gone further forward, Bruno. Can you please drop and support the the, the centre backs I'm leaving behind?" And Bruno stood still, and Liverpool had a counter attack instantly. Really, really. There's just so many questions from what's happened, and that's you know always going to happen. If Newcastle see the game out one 0 we're here, we're buzzing, everything's class. Newcastle, I'm in six points, but I just, I just, it just does, it just feels off in Howe's post-match comments about you know taking chances and, and managing the game and disappointment, and he's, he's right and everything. I, I can't actually d- disagree. Yes, it's disappointing. Yes, we had some chances and, and probably should have won the game on the balance of play. 
but it, it it just it just felt very very off and very safe. I don't know what you want to agree or disagree, but but it makes it more disappointing that we haven't risked anything to put Liverpool to the sword and have been punished. It's really interesting, I think, because we finished the first half on such a high, and you think, oh, mint like. The, the halftime team talk's going to be really good. They're going to come out here out of the blocks. You can't rest on your laurels when it's a team like Liverpool. They have a lot of answers for a lot of different questions. They have a multi, multi, multi tens of millions of pound bench. They can change formation. They're an incredibly well-drilled team. And yeah, they had a funny season last season, but there's nothing to necessarily suggest they're going to be, they're going to have that this season. And we've all said that all summer, um, Liverpool might not be as weird and shit this season. Chelsea might not be as weird and shit this season. It's too early to tell, but you can't... It just felt complacent. The moment they got a player sent out off, it just felt to me a little bit complacent. The, the, the pace, which had been like a thousand miles an hour for the a full first half pretty much, just like eased off the gas. Like, we'll get, a, we'll get another goal here, no bother, because they're down to 10 men and... And it's not a big deal and, and it's fine. And I just think that sending off, it it, it put a fire up their arse. And, and for some reason, like, ice up ours? I don't know what the opposite of that is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it did the opposite. We were like, oh, great, 10 men. And they were like, we've got to fucking do something here. And there was just this real, like, op, uh, like push and pull on the pitch there that we just didn't, we weren't, I don't know, I don't know the answers here, but that's how I kind of uh, complacency is the best word I can think of for it but I, d- I don't know if that's right or if you agree I want to say that before they scored I thought I understood what we were trying to do I feel like um Liverpool have got a team of players who can punish you even with 10 men and I feel like we didn't want to um what you normally do when when a team goes sat down is twist the knife just go at them and and, and score yeah. the goals and I thought we we approached that sensibly and cautiously um I thought I still think we should have scored. Mickey should have scored like three. Um, you know, Barnes had some some good chances in. Um, ultimately, we didn't create as much as we probably should have done in the in the circumstances. But I thought I understood the cautiousness. I thought realistically, they didn't. We we let them have a bit too much of the ball. We let them break a few too many times, considering that they had one man less. But I felt like that was all under control until the goal. I I really think we were gonna, thought we were going to see the game out, and if we had, we wouldn't be sitting here so angry and so frustrated at what's happened. Uh, so I'm trying to defend the way we approach that. I understand what both of you are saying in terms of it feels like we've let ourselves down. And I know you're going to come back here, but I just <laughs> thought the, the ball bounces off Botman's arse. And, and if that doesn't happen, and then it, Nunes also, by the way, is, is a striker who, if you watch him week on week, he, he misses those chances every other fucking week when he scores both of them this week. It's, it's, an, it's another element of bad luck. And I'm not trying to say everything that happened today was starting to bad luck. I just think... There are many, many times you could play the exact same way and we see out that game and it just felt like everything went wrong today and I kind of want to just let them have that one. They've got a lot of credit in the bank, but Dodds, feel free to disagree. Well, my question from what you said is, is why? Why, why, why go one nil up? And by the way, I thought Newcastle were the better team in the first 25. I thought Luis Diaz aside, Liverpool offered very little. Mm. Klopp then takes them off (laughs) as soon as they go down to 10 men. Why is that the approach? Why is it safety first? Why you know it's not safety first? You know against uh, last season against season against Brighton when Newcastle go go one up and then there isn't the, you know we sat and did this podcast and the impressive thing about that wasn't that it was okay we've pressed we've pressed Brighton to fuck the form team in the country 
we're just we're just relentless. That's what we are. We're a relentless side that are horrible to play against at our best, particularly at home. Why would the game plan be okay? Okay, it's twenty eight minutes in, lads. See this one out. That when when you leave yourself exposed to to what happened, the only way what happens happens is if you decide to just see this one out. And 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 maybe you're right, saying maybe like we said in part one, maybe that 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 is the that is the way that that Eddie Howe told them to play. But I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't feel like that. And, and Charlotte said it felt like complacency. I think everyone in the ground at half time was like, "Well, that was a bit weird at at one nil against ten. Surely we'll come out second half, crank it up a notch, yeah. do what we do best." And you know what? If you get hit on the fucking counter attack and Liverpool score a brilliant counter attack and goal, and it's one one on sixty, then okay. It's almost like they took the worst possible route, played it as safely as possible, didn't actually get in behind Liverpool at all. And then get hit by, by by a set of circumstances that they allowed themselves to be hit by. Our best football in the second half, I felt, was played after they'd got it back to one one. As in, mm. I thought for the thirty minutes of the start before forty minutes or whatever it was, while we were still one nil up, we were safety first, control this, control this, control this, and then they scored, and we were all sudden like, oh, this isn't supposed to happen. Oh, what do we do? Oh, we better go and attack them now and try and get another goal. And we did. We had about two or three minutes where we peppered the box, we moved the ball around a bit again. Anderson and Barnes were out wide on the left and they were mm-hmm. trying to bring the ball into the box. They were trying... Two or but, three minutes, yeah. you're spoiling me. But, but, but that's but that's come feeds back to what you're saying. If, if that was the plan, which maybe it was, and I can see why you want to you want to control the midfield, certainly battle, and like Salah was changing his position slightly to do it. But attack-wise... I felt like there were opportunities which we just didn't take advantage of. I know I've already kind of related, allied to it, but there were times when Barnes was stood on his own on the left-hand, or Gordon was stood on their own on the left-hand side and nobody went to play the ball out to them. Everyone was like, oh, no, um, a five-yard pass to Bruno and then I'll get it back. It was, it was, it was so many touches. It was everyone got two touches. Everyone, mm. everyone gets to turn around. Everyone gets to do a 180. Everyone gets to pass backwards. Like Again, I'm keen on your answer, Sai. If I'm if I'm Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool, I want Newcastle to play it safe. The only way I can get back into this game is if Newcastle don't overcommit, Newcastle don't try and kill the game, and we try and get a couple of goals in the last. Liverpool are essentially saying, "Let's get to eighty. Let's get to eighty. Whatever we have to do to get to eighty, let's get to eighty still in this game." A bit like Newcastle eleven v eleven last week with Manchester City. I'm stood in your way and thinking it's okay what I'm saying because if you get to eighty, a little bit of madness in the last ten. Who knows what can happen in this ridiculous sport? And Newcastle give it to them. They give it to them through safety. They give them through backward passes. They give it to them, like Stephen correctly says, when Gordon in particular is on the pitch and he's hugging the wing and Trent Alexander-Arnold is on a yellow card, the plan should have been wherever this ball goes, it goes to Anthony Gordon when we're in possession. Let's test this lag. Let's take off Dan Gordon. Let's put Matt Target on, which has to happen anyway due to injury. Let's make that side of the pitch unplayable. And instead, it was just, it was just kind of listless, nothingness apart from one run from Miguel Almiron which would have been a wonder goal yeah I, I don't know I just you, you, we weren't leaving ourselves open to a Liverpool side as Mo Salah Gakpo later on Jota who was very good uh, later on again Nunes who's very good McAllister who's a threat uh, Slobos Live was very good by the way I can see why we would have liked to have mm. had him in our team um, I think we just had that approach of we cannot leave these lads free uh, we do want to get forward numbers, but we don't want to overcommit. I could understand what we were trying to do, and I felt like, for the most part, we had that game under control. It just kind of got away from us, and I think we're probably going to get onto it, is, is when when all the, the, the subs happened. 
We've talked about the quality they brought off the bench and it really felt like our quality declined as the game went on with all the subs and some of them were forced, some of them were um, injury-based. I'd even say that Gordon, because everything went down the left-hand side for the first 60 minutes, he looked spent Mm. and that's probably why we were trying to balance it out a bit. But ultimately he was having so much joy against Trent and he he probably should have had a bit more for for what he put in. But I, I just... I kind of, I felt like I understood it. And then I, I, after 80 minutes, suddenly everything changed and I, I no longer understood football again. It was just <laughs> one of those weird games where, and I'm still shell-shocked now and I, I'm struggling to, I, I want to defend the lads and I want to defend Eddie Howe's decision-making because I feel like if if he'd just seen that through, we would have been saying brilliant, brilliant game management, 1-0 win, absolutely class against a, a, you know, a feisty Liverpool team. But somehow Nunes has come off the bench and scored two identical goals and we're just like, going, how the fuck's that happened? Like, Let's talk about those subs then, Stephen. I'll get your thoughts. Uh, social media, particularly afterwards, we, we, there's a lot of stuff about the subs. That Tonali for Longstaff sub, and there are lots of subs made by both teams. They're all, there are also lads who play the full game who maybe get off a little bit lightly because everyone concentrates on the subs. But that Tonali for Longstaff, I don't know what it's supposed to look like. I don't know, I don't know what the game looks like from any Castle perspective. With with that sub, it feels pre-planned. It feels like it could be made at nil nil one one two one three one one four one five. It, it just it just feels like hmm. Tonali, you're coming off on seventy ish, sixty five ish. Longstaff, you're coming on regardless of the game situation. And I just as it happened, I just Ben, who I stood the match with, was just like, why 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 has he done that? Surely Liverpool low block, um, very disciplined, out of the ball with ten men. Surely Elliot Anderson was the call there if if Tolly Tonali has to go off and, and we will talk about whether these players have to go off, but your initial thoughts on on that triple sub? Well, to me it seems a bit like the game the week before, which I know we're gonna do a lot of comparisons with, but Wilson for Isak, Barnes for Gordon, uh Tonali for long stuff. Well if every opposition knows what we're gonna do round 65, 70 minutes, because we all know what we're gonna do. As yeah. soon as he saw Longstaff stand up, you knew it was Tonali. You knew Bruno wasn't going and Joe Linton wasn't going off at that point. You knew it was for Tonali. Now, um, that makes us, or that makes it for Klopp a little bit easier, or for any manager watching us, are pretty easy if they go, all right, well, Callum Wilson needs to get 15, 20, 25 minutes here. So as soon as we can, we're going to sub Isak for Wilson. I thought we lost any momentum. And I thought Liverpool did something, we can say clever. And Klopp immediately withdrew Matip when Isak went off because he didn't need a foot race anymore. Mm-hmm. He needed someone who was strong enough to battle with Callum Wilson. That's all he was concerned about. And that was Joe Gomez. So he brings on the, I can't remember, sorry, the name of the young lad who comes on to play centre half with him. But he basically goes, we'll just go forward now and we'll leave Gomez one-on-one with Wilson because we trust him to like, and he did, to be fair. But I think there's one occasion when Wilson ruled him and, and tried to get in. But apart from that, Gomez mm-hmm. did a good job of handling Wilson. The Longstaff one, I thought he looked, and this is, Sean was brilliant last season, I thought he looked off the pace a little bit last week when he came on. You can tell he's undercooked. He hasn't played a lot of pre-season. Um, I think we're going to have the same problem, by the way, when Joe Willock comes back and that we're going to want him back in the team and we're going to want him back playing, but he's going to have no football for three months. And then oh, we're going to say, yeah. come back in, play first-team football, Champions League. Um, and I think probably the biggest thing about the Tonali long stuff is, and this is no, my lid is slightly offensive to Sean anytime you started with, but no offense to him. <laughs> it is slightly offensive to him. I can't imagine. The drop-off in quality is there. We can't hide it. Like, Sandro Tonali has played in the Champions League semi-final and was the best player in that AC Milan team Mm. when they got beaten by Inter Milan. He is a Champions League starter. Like, every game he's fit for. 
Sean Longstaff, God love him, scored two goals to give me a brilliant trip to Wembley. Well, sorry, a brilliant night, then a trip to Wembley. <laughs> but I'm not having that, like, we can say that that's a standard substitution that we're going to make week in, week out, because no. if it is, we're basically admitting that for the last 20 minutes of the game, we're going to play with a midfield that we know isn't strong enough to compete against the best teams. If that was against Brentford and we're 3-0 up and it's Tenali for Longstaff, grand, fine, not a problem. And it, again, and I don't want to get on his back at this, but Isak for Wilson, like, when are we going to give Alexander Isak a chance in the last 20 minutes against Tyron Legs yeah. to show what he can do? Because if the answer is, oh, well, we're winning, so Alex, you have to come off because now we need to see if Callum... If Callum Wilson is huffy or whatever when he doesn't play, good. Because he should be, he should be wanting to cause a problem to get yeah. back in the team. And to answer your second point, other people are slightly getting away with it. Well, my argument would be that although he probably does create the best chance of the second half, for me... Miggy was very lucky to get a full 90 minutes today. Much as I thought against Man City, he made mistakes about when to pass the ball, when to speed it up, when to slow it down. Today, I thought he really struggled against Robertson. And I thought Robertson was able to stand off him a bit and go, go on then. I dare you to beat me down outside because what are you going to do? Your right foot's are standing on. And I think Robertson was that clever that Almiron basically kind of got suckered into having to come inside. To your point about... Um removing Tenali for Longstaff and, and and to your point Alex about it just looking like a rehearsed thing that was just planned and it wasn't actually in response to what's going on on the pitch it's just a thing that was going to happen I don't I, I agree with you you know I, I really like Sean Longstaff I think he's a really good player he's not the same standard as Sandro Tenali neither is Elliot Anderson but if you're going to bring off Sandro Tenali surely you would bring or like surely you would bring on somebody like that who's going to like look at what happened last week at Man City when Elliot Anderson came on the pitch he's the the only sort of bright spark that really ran at their defense that really caused some some trouble yeah okay he wasn't on for very long it just doesn't make any sense to me like I can't get my head around it and I don't want to dig out Sean Longstaff for too much bit, but I don't think anyone's digging out Longstaff partic- right. particularly I think it's it's the the, the way that the game went after those subs makes the subs look very bad. The way that Klopp subs enhance Liverpool makes right. his subs look very good. Klopp's bringing on Nunes. We're bringing on Longstaff. Not the same positions, but there's a huge quality drop-off there. I think your point, Stephen, is 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 correct. That th- there's just now, without Joe Willock, who could come on ahead of Sean Longstaff, there's just a huge difference between those players. They play the same position, but they're just they're just such different footballers with different roles in the side. Both weeks when when it's happened, both at Man City last week and Liverpool, it looks like the team has struggled to re- to to cope with Tonali's quality under pressure on the ball. It all and, and we, we just look kind of pedestrian as a result. I think the I'm not defending the subs because the subs have killed us today, um, and I'm sure Eddie Howe will be reflecting on that. I think um, it wasn't so much the uh, the individuals. Uh, I I agree with the, all the comments you've made. By the way, I, I agree that Tonali is a, a totally different footballer to Sean Longstaff. But in normal circumstances, you expect Sean Longstaff to come onto an, into a midfield and just do do the job he's expected to do. What I didn't understand today was the triple sub. Why make three changes at the exact same time? Why take Wilson or, uh, bring uh, Isaac? Gordon and Tonali off at the same time because all three were our best players today. Like all three were excellent today. And yes, I, I, I thought there was tired legs. I thought Gordon was starting to, to fade. Um, Isaac wasn't that involved, but you'd expect him to to, to take advantage. Card, you know, yeah. He, yeah, he buys the red card um, with us. Exactly. And, and uh, you think back to games like Man United last year, Wilson comes off the bench and, and kills the game. You know, that there are reasons why that sub works and it hasn't worked today. So I don't want to get too critical, but the triple sub followed by two additional subs just felt like a bit too much tinkering against Liverpool, who 
are better than Man United, in my opinion. They, they played way better today than Man United did when they came to the Park. But um, it just felt too risky. We took too many risks today with these changes. And, and um, I'm pretty sure they're all quite positive. I'm sure the intention of Barnes, Wilson and Longstaff was to try and take advantage of tired legs and get that second goal. All of those subs, those subs didn't scream to me. We're trying to see out this game. They screamed, we're looking for that second goal. But it didn't happen. And it, it, we did drop off in quality. And he'll reflect on that and think maybe I, I took those changes a bit too soon and took took too much of a gamble. I, I want to talk about tired legs in this context. Now, we have no idea why uh, Eddie Howe, um, Jason Tindall, take the decisions that they do. There could mm. be injuries we don't know about. There could be communications. They, they know more about football than we do, and, and we trust their decision-making. What I'm concerned about, though, is reading that, okay, Gordon's got 60, 65 minutes in him. Well, he's been here in nine, he's been here nine months. He's been here nine months now. now I've, I've no idea if he's only got 60, 65 minutes in him. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Okay, Tonali um, only has a certain amount of legs, and but pretty soon we're going to be playing two games a week. We've had a full; they've had a full week for this one. It just, it just seems off that, like, like you've correctly said, side that your best players who are doing Liverpool the most damage physically cannot continue. So we have to do this, 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 this kind of mad triple sub. And the other point I want to make before bringing Steven in. If there was a game to bring on Wilson and Isaac at the same time to really try right, and get that second right. goal, when I saw Wilson that, up. that was it. And and he, you know there was a lot made about Isak when he came back from his injury about not being fit enough to play ninety minutes, and then he came back and played several lots of ninety minutes. He could have played ninety minutes today. And again, yeah. Callum Wilson is very very good. Newcastle maybe have the best two out and out centre forwards in the league in terms of you know one replacement for another. But again, if I'm Liverpool, I'm Jurgen Klopp. Isak's coming up. I'm thinking good. Yeah, good. Yeah, I think my point to, to the subs, I know we had to make the fifth one quite late when Botman got injured, but I wondered what the plan was if Botman hadn't got injured. Like, were we just going to stop at four subs? Or were we going to throw Jacob Murphy on and give him two minutes to try and turn the game around? I mean, again, Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall know far more about football than us, and I'm perfectly happy to accept that. Other times I might try Very and claim. I might try, I might try and claim <laughs> I know more than them. Um, but the difference between the team and I think I think you're right Si what you said about the three changes being made at once I think that massively upset the rhythm of the team then Joe Linton goes down with a bit of a knock over in the far corner we know he already had a knock last week right well that's Anderson on what we didn't really seem to have a pattern of like right okay well we're changing this because we're going to change the structure of the team no the 4-3-3 stays the same we're just going to change in and out the personnel well if the 4-3-3 wasn't breaking them down and wasn't working a changing system had to be made. Mm. That might mean that sometimes, God forbid, like we actually have to look at not doing a pardew and putting like <laughs> round circles in square pegs or whatever. But like um, actually looking at a situation where you've got, right, okay, well, we need to go to three five two here. And like, we need to consider, right, could that person play there? And we've got Dan Byrne, we could have Byrne, Sher and Botman. And also my big concern is, obviously it does now look like Botman potentially is injured yeah and like uncle. how long's that going to be because he went down straight away when he landed and stayed down with his arm in the air and the knock-on effect of that is is that he's played too much football well i don't i don't think it is we're just at the start of the season but you know we're getting to a situation and this is because where we haven't nitpicked because like the drop off from Botman to burn is big i personally don't think that second goal happens with Botman on the pitch because i think but it does come off Bottom's backside. Mm. Like it's it's a rick, but it comes off his backside. He can't do anything about it. I don't think he makes that same mistake again when he sees Nunes go behind him. Dan Byrne makes the same mistake that Botman made like two minutes early in the ball suddenly and he's in. It's very unclear what Dan Byrne's trying to do in that 
Yeah. We've just watched it back. It's a really weird moment. There's a there's a mistake in midfield. There's, uh, from Bruno Kovac. From, from Bruno. But, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a mistake there. And then and then Nunes has all this space and then and then and then Bain does this sort of like you were saying, so kind of this odd step situation Just to try and forward try and move forward. Yeah. yeah, really strange. It's like a, a last minute offside trap when the ball's already played. It, just <laughs> look, it looks so bad. It's it really weird. So and then Nunes has acres of space again. And um yeah, anyway. We all know what happened. Let, let's talk about Bruno quickly. He had a bit of a dig this week on social media over what was was probably a, a pretty, you know non-abusive post that was kind of questioning a reaction to the Manchester City defeat. We've got no idea if he actually posted it. People... Yeah, it could be his team. It could be his team, it could be his agent, it could be, it could be anyone. Uh, it was quickly deleted and it's not a big deal. I, I really dislike the narrative or have done that Bruno's been off the pace. I don't think it's fair. I think I thought it was excellent against Aston Villa. I thought, I thought he was okay last week against Manchester City. I thought it was one of our better players. Some people disagree. But but we needed him today. We we needed him eleven v ten. We needed him on the ball, unlocking the. When Bruno first came, he he was absolute dynamite with the ball at his feet, approaching the opposition penalty box. I don't think he went missing, but it's but it's so poor the the, the winner for Liverpool from Bruno to to give the ball away in that position in that moment in that part of the pitch to give it away under so kind of he was put under pressure but under so little pressure Not to ma- to, yeah. to gift the ball to them. And allow that turnover. Um, that's a really bad day at the office for him. The the bit that I want to talk about is the second goal. Um, I think he's trying to lift the ball with the outside of his yeah, foot yes. out to Bonds, the left hand side. Now he hadn't played that ball when he'd had the option for the twenty five minutes previously. And this is again, I don't think he had a, I don't think he had a massive shot um, of a game today. I just that pass alone in a moment, he's going to look back on that and go like, or should, someone should be saying to him with. Five minutes ago, four minutes ago, three minutes ago, whatever it was, what on earth are you doing? Looking to lift a 40, 50 yard ball to Barnes. Now, if he does it and it gets there and Barnes goes in and scores, oh, yeah. great Bruno. role like Bruno, the greatest player, player ever. Yeah. But the, real, the reality is that I'm not saying that he's necessarily off. I thought when he came back at Wembley and he got that injury to his ankle and he kept playing on and he kept playing on, I thought last season he was a little bit injured. Like, well, he did. He had that, uh, yeah. And. He was playing I, on one foot. I, yeah, and I, I think this season, against Aston Villa, I thought it was brilliant. Him and Tonali's one-touch passing was sensational. And the way they beat the press by movement was brilliant. Both of them were the only people comfortable when they were being harried against Manchester City. The only people. Today, I felt Tonali was happy being harried, was turning, Tristan's, and Bruno looked like he wanted it, and it shifted straight away. He didn't want to have to turn around and take someone on. He just wanted to give it straight away. Is that the role he's being asked to play? because he's not doing the long-busting runs forward that we saw him doing when he first arrived, when he was basically carrying the team on his back. So what's changed? Has he been told to sit and he has to sit, or he can't push on as far? Because against uh, Brighton, I think it's the fifth goal against Brighton, he is absolutely steaming forward, 90th minute. But where's that Bruno? Because we're not seeing that Bruno at the minute. So is that a change he's been told to make, or is it not? We're going to end part two there. And move on to part three of the show. Another uh, set of adverts back after these. If you could trade a bench warmer for the greatest of all time, you'd do it, right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. 
Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify, me, Charlotte, is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility. Powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash truefaith, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash truefaith to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash truefaith. Part three of the show, uh, before we kind of talk about context of the result and, and if there is any because sometimes you just shit the bed, and that's what we did today. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, Anthony Gordon. I thought it was a big game for him. He he didn't he, like his teammates. He didn't really do much at Manchester City in an offensive sense. Could he put two performances back to back at St James's Park against high caliber opposition? And wow, did he do that, Charlotte? Your thoughts on Gordon? Yeah, unbelievable. I, I, I don't think. Yeah, he was tiring a little bit, but that not loads and that is because he was absolutely like bombing up the side of the pitch on the left hand side today all, all for the whole game um he he is i don't know he's just maturing as a player you can see how um attack minded he is he's ducking he's weaving in and out he's working really well on that left hand side um he was working with Joe Linton very nicely today i thought and i just think Obviously, he got his goal, which was meant that you've got it. You've got to like put that out there, Evertonian sort of against Liverpool, and and had we won, that would have been a really like good headline for us. But obviously, we we didn't. Um, but I think he's a very special player. The things that we saw at the Euros, the things that we saw pre-season, um, it's all coming uh, good for him at Newcastle United, and I think that he's got a really promising future here. I'm just so disappointed that we weren't able to get a win today, so that that was hit. That was his kind of headline. Yeah, I mean, he went off at the same time, as we said before, as Isaac and Tonali, and he was the one that got the massive standing ovation. It yeah. wasn't just because he'd scored a goal, it was because he was fucking brilliant all game. And yeah, I, I thought he did look leggy towards the, the, the last the last kind of 10 minutes of his of his playing time, but probably because he was he was literally doing everything. But equally, as you both keep saying, these lads are going to have to get used to playing 90 minutes and then 90 minutes again three days later. So when that comes, I don't know. I don't know how these uh, subs will, will look. Um, yeah, Gordon was, was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I thought he was very patient. He was given Alexander Arnold before he was gifted the goal. He was given Alexander Arnold an awfully like difficult game, uh, just in the same way that uh, several players have done at Dan Byrne in recent weeks. But he was just—he's a breath of fresh air. He, he, he's, he's very direct, but he can also—he he links up very well with his teammates. And uh, yeah, the um, I mean, to nutmeg Allison as well. It's just fucking brilliant. It's just like obviously a class way to finish the goal. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of many other individuals who've stood out in that game. Like I say, I thought 
it's hard to dig out individuals for bad performances, but he's he stood out as, as our best player today. Yeah, I thought it was between him and Botman. Mm. I thought there was one opportunity where Salah got in and uh, just before they actually equalised and Botman came across and cleaned out Salah. Yeah. And I, 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 well, I, I, I do think he makes a massive difference to our defence when he's not there. The organisation and the structure seems to go a little bit. Um, what I liked about Gordon was the way he celebrated. and He was straight over in the corner and it was clear, like the big scream, the fit, like how much that goal meant to him. First goal at St. James's Park, I think. And also the additional fact that he really wanted to be, um, he really wanted to get that in. Like when mm. he got in, you could see the reaction, instant reaction. Alexander Arnold tries to grab a hold of his shirt. Some yep. players yeah. would have gone, some players would have gone, he's on a yellow, I'm away over here because he's definitely going. Instead it was, no, the ball's there in front of me, I am definitely going yeah. for this. Um, and I think allied with the way Isak runs diagonals across defenders and then in behind. I think we've got the makings there of two who can be very fluid and dynamic and move across the pitch to help each other out. I think we're at the early st- or infancy of that as a as a duo to work together. But um, I think if we could find a player to make it work on the other side as well, that would be incredible to be able to do it across three. But um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he is that player. Maybe he is. Maybe <laughs> the he is. The player on the other side because it, once again, one of the things that you, know, you have to highlight is Miguel Almiron hits the post and the crossbar on another day, he has two goals, and we're all singing his praises. But like you pointed out before, with the, the ease fullbacks seem to, particularly good fullbacks seem to deal with Almiron, there's just such a contrast in how dangerous Newcastle look uh, down the two sides. And, you know, Harvey Barnes coming in, a lot of people thought he'd be a natural starter for Newcastle. Well, it, it just looks from what we've seen so far this season, like Barnes and and Gordon in the same team would be, would be pretty special. Mm. However, I thought Tonali was superb. Again, mm. again, you know, even at Manchester City, he just looks so comfortable. He just looked like a class act on and off the ball, uh, full of energy. That's just the thing about a substitution. He seems full of energy, full of legs, full of running. He, he did some great things today. I just want to finish the show talking about context, I suppose. I'll just go around the table. You know, where, where are you at with this, Stephen? Start with you first. It's, I'll just, just put a, a scenario to you. So Newcastle start the season with a 5-1 win against a team that have won every game since and scored a few goals. Does it feel like we've squandered the chance to start a season really, really well already? Or was it too early to say? Um, I think next week will probably be a big deciding factor on that because I think if we lose next week, I think people start... Uh, we, had a, we have a very difficult start. I don't think we should get away from that. We've got... I think we're the only team that play four other sides who are all in Europe. It is a difficult start. Um, having said that, every, I think a lot of pundits, people who claim to know a lot more about football than us, um, would say that, uh, or the, well, Aston Villa were going to give them a rough game. Well, they didn't. Like we, we turned Villa over in the second half. We blew them away. Man City, I think most seasons would have taken a one. You, would, you don't want to, but most seasons previously would have taken a 1-0 defeat. I think the day is a really tough thing to take because we know now that all of a sudden we're playing catch-up. At the start of last season, we weren't playing catch-up because we beat Forrest. And then we kicked on and we got a draw, I think, away at Wolves. And, then, and we kept going. We got draw Brighton. We kept going. Then until we got, I think it was a fourth, fifth game, we got beaten at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. We'd been picking up points all the time. Two defeats in three games feels a bit like a smack in the face. It hasn't happened to us since uh, February and, um, and Wembley. And I think probably the hardest bit about it in the context is it's so early in the season and we've played two of the other teams who are going to be competing with us for Champions League football. That it could come down to those three points. Like Liverpool could get 
top four off us because they've beaten us there today. And that's what makes it so disappointing because we know they are going to be better than last year. Like they are going to be better than last year. So we had a chance to really show them that we'd arrived and we didn't take it. There's another way you could look at it. Try, mm-hmm. Trying to be positive um, is that we, we should have won the game today. And we, we demonstrated that we can beat Liverpool and that bar some a mental 10 minutes, we would have won that game and, and been in a very different position. Um, I always hark back to this at last season. Uh, whilst you're right, we, we beat Forest and kind of kept picking up points. We were drawing a lot of games and I don't, I don't think we were playing particularly well until about mid-September or start of October. Um, I don't want it to take that long this time because we'll be playing Champions League football as well. But Eddie Howe's teams do take a bit of time to hit their momentum, to hit their confidence. And I'm still confident that once we do hit that kind of sweet spot as a team, we always seem to do it. The momentum takes us and the momentum is going to hit us when we have much easier fixtures. So we should be able to blow a few teams away, win a few games by three or four goals, and then we'll be all very happy by the by the time this, the Champions League fixtures kick in. But yeah, with, with Brighton next week, it, it's starting to look like a really underwhelming start of the season I think you're right it feels like an opportunity missed in terms of having Man City and Liverpool back to back um when we, we'd started so well um there's there's ways you can describe it we just be a bit unlucky and we on another day we can get something out of both of those games but yeah it, deflated is the word I'm going to use not disappointed no I don't think the um I don't think too much criticism needs to be leveled at the players um because they, they have I don't think anyone's underperformed I think some mistakes have been made and I think Eddie Halby kicking himself and really wanting to work out what went wrong and not and to cut that out. But ultimately, I think we're playing all right. I think fitness-wise, we look close to where we need to be. There's just a few more things need to click, and, and that always happens with Eddie Howard, always happens with this team, and we'll get there. So I'm not too worried, despite two defeats and three, which sounds on paper terrible, but it's it's just not that bad. They've been, they've been hard games. All three have been hard games. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> what have you done with Sai? Um... Okay, uh, you've been so positive. <laughs> Just it, be, be me, be me from last season. Okay, why is it taking? A, why does it take Eddie Howe's sides to to take a while to for their gears to kick in? We're supposed to get better and better every season. We're not get like that's not a better start than last season. It's the same start to last season points wise. Um, that's a concern for me. And then the other concern for me is uh, they are big sides. They are big games. Man City, you're right, Stephen. Like we, we, you know, we all hoped after after the Villa result and performance that we'd go there and kind of give them a, a real game. And and that was an interesting performance. And the result was inconsequential in in terms of Man City. But now I'm concerned that it's too losses today's really should have been a win against the 10-man Liverpool at home like what's that ha- are we going to get in our heads a little bit about it are we going to go down to Brighton as a as a squad a little bit with that sort of a little bit hanging over us but probably a little bit and I and I think we're a very um not all of our players but and, and, and I reserve judgment on Tonali and Barnes because I don't know but I think quite a few of our players are confidence players and psychologically I don't know I I think about this a lot like what's in their heads how are they going into these games what mood are they going into these games like and after two losses particularly this one against Liverpool I'm just a little bit concerned but it's still three games into the season and I want to step back and think about that there is still there is still ample time for us to turn this around Liverpool got six points off us last season and still finished below us yeah they're probably going to be better this season but they still finished below us last season having done the same so I'm not like freaking out or thinking our season's over because that would be absolutely mental but 
today and last week raised some questions and we need to find some answers quite quickly. One thing that I'm going to take away is we're in no worse a position from the equivalent fixtures from last season. We beat mm. Villa at home, we lost to Man City, we lost Liverpool at home, so we're not any worse off in that case. But football doesn't work like that, sadly. Last season is now irrelevant in, in terms of those things. In terms of context, like one of you said, the Brighton result will dictate much about the start of the season. They're the four rock-hard fixtures. If you can get out of those four fixtures with four points, it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's disappointing considering the start we had and considering what's happened today. But four points is fine. Three points and you've lost three of your opening four is is more problematic. Let's see. What frustrates me most about all this is that we've done it to ourselves. If Liverpool had turned up today, Liverpool did fucking well done, Liverpool. Liverpool did fine today. Well done with 10 men. Klopp substitution's good. Players dug in. Didn't do anything mental after the red card. Absolutely fine. They weren't good. Okay, they didn't do anything where you were like, fuck me, that was class, or wow, what, yeah. you know, how you, you know, fair play, you know, hands up, you, be, you, you were great. We, you know, that, that is something to be proud of. They just, they just worked hard, stayed in the game, took their opportunities when it came to them, and that, like, shit happens in football, and that can happen. We were better than them at 11 v 11. Newcastle United were better than them. And in this game, because of what you said about momentum and confidence, Charlotte, you cannot give your opponents what we've given them today. When Newcastle last went at Anfield, 1993, 1994. Yeah. Liverpool have come to St. James's Park twice in 2023. Newcastle have fucked up massively, massively both times. And they need to cut that out. They're never going to be a side that can win trophies or can go away from them in the Champions League, gifting their opponents what they've gifted them today. The frustration is born out of of quality, of we know what we're, we're capable of doing. So for, for so long, Newcastle have been this bad team that were just bad and worse than these these kind of opponents. Now they're good. Now they're as good at them sometimes, or potentially they are better than them. To still lose fixtures like this, it just makes it harder to take. But ultimately, as long as they're able to continue to produce what they produced in the first 28 minutes today, they'll be fine this season. And that's what that's what I am I'm going to cling on to, as Phew. frustrating as it is, because I'm furious about it still. There's, it's not like these opening three fixtures have thrown up any problems. Be, apart from the tactical approach at ten v eleven, there aren't there aren't any tactical issues. There aren't any personnel issues that are unsolvable that we have to walk away and the people listening to this have to put down their headphones and, and walk away after this and think, fuck, how we're going to sort that out for Brighton? Those issues don't exist, and that's that's the only thing I'm hanging on to at the minute. Having said that, if you want to keep gifting good teams points in this league you'll find yourself in, in trouble pretty quickly we should be bouncing into that Champions League draw as fans as players as a football club we should be bouncing into that Champions League draw this week out this week on Thursday I'm sure it will be it's very exciting but they just let themselves down today and that's more frustrating to me than Liverpool going and being brilliant and winning the game no more comments we'll leave it there <laughs> uh, this has been the True Faith Podcast thanks very much for listening uh, we have a show with Craig Hope this week which is going to be out for free normally on our Patreon platform we'll be back with one of these after Brighton speak to you all then bye bye <laughs>